Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 203 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today I want to take a quick second and thank Elizabeth, Joseph's mom, for introducing me to today's guest. We talked about him briefly when she was on the episode several months ago, and she had said to me then that she thought Corbin's dad would be a great guest someday. And the timing turned out to be just about perfect because he didn't reach out to me then, but Elizabeth sent out a message to me announcing that he was having a very special release of a song that he had produced in Corbin's honor. And that song was being released for Father's Day, and I had a cancellation come through, and I thought, this is the right timing. So today, you get to hear Corbin's dad. Now, we record this the day after Father's Day, and you're not going to hear it until August, but know that you can still listen to that song, and I will have the link available on my website, so you look there. I also want to tell you about the next live stream that is coming up. That will be with Gwen, and it will be, it's really just around the corner now from when this is being released. This is going to be honoring the five-year anniversary of Andy's death, and I'm going to do it with Gwen, maybe Eric. I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest. The five-year anniversary of Andy's death is coming up just around the corner, Tuesday, August 15th. So I'm not sure if we'll record it that day or if we'll record it the day before. I think it's going to be one of those episodes that kind of put Gwen in charge of and just show up and talk. So we'll see what happens. And again, I'm not sure even which date to do. So hopefully I will have decided by the time this comes out. But if not, just watch for that. Just look for that to be happening soon. And we'll just see what happens because that's really all I can do. It's really hard for me to plan these things ahead of time when it's such an emotional time for me. But right now, I just want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Chester, Corbin's dad. so much, Chester, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to you because I heard about you quite some time ago when your friend Elizabeth was on the show, and she definitely mentioned you and thought that you would be a great guest. So here, I think, I don't know, everything lined up to get you on right now, the perfect time. Yeah, and I I love Joseph's mom. She's been great. Uh, She's kind of helped us walk through this as well. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think everything just sort of lined up. Yeah. So why don't you start out by just telling us all about your son, Corbin? Uh, I would love to. (laughs) Our son, Corbin, was... Man, he was a cool kid. He He was very, very athletic, even from a very young age. 
very kinesthetic. He was it, he was very unique that he only did things a certain way. He he was someone who just really, in a lot of respects, was his own person. And mm-hmm. so you're just like, okay, yeah, that's something Corbin would do. Like, for example, when he was baptized, he said, yeah, I really want to be baptized. I think it's time for me to be baptized. I'm going to do that with goggles on. <laughs> and so we have a photo of him when the pastor lifted him up to say, this is quite, you know, and he's got his goggles on there, you know, and, and uh, he's just his own, he's his own person. So he was always super, super duper competitive and very fast. Even from a young age, people were just like, he, he, that kid is fast, you know, and <laughs> then he kept growing and just kept, kept getting stronger and bigger. And you, to look at him, you wouldn't think he would be fast because he was super muscular and all this stuff, you know, he wasn't, yeah wasn't necessarily like super slim or anything like that, but he was very kind hearted and so much so that there are things that we, because as he got older, he was a little more introverted as he got older. Sometimes, you you know, you don't know your kids have this other life, you, the life yeah. when they're around you, you know, who they are around other people. So even after, after Corbin left us, we, uh, we were getting stories from people about the different things that he did for people, which I, I'm happy to share, but he loved animals. He loved pets. All of our pets, I say, are, are products of Corbin. He loved to rescue things. And this is interesting. Even uh, at Corbin's funeral, we did not know at his memorial service um, that they were there was this little kitten that kept trying to run into the service. We had the service in the gym where Corbin played basketball a lot. Uh-huh. And this little kitten kept trying to jump in. And, and we didn't know all that was going on. But when it was time to, you know, to go from memorial to the service, they cut off the line, you know, for people. Cat runs through the door and runs into Joy's arms. And that's my wife, Joy. And so. Really? One of my friends turns to me and says, I think you get a new cat. I'm like, no, I don't think we need another <laughs> another cat, you know. And so a couple of days goes by. One of her friends at the service also rescues animals. So she's like, I'll take him, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, this little bobtail tiny kitten. And so two days later, I'm in our kitchen. I see a list where my wife had things that she needed to do, like a to-do list. And on there, it said preacher. And I was like, wait, is the preacher coming? You know, what? And she's yeah. like, no, that's the name for the new cat. I'm going to go pick him up in a few minutes. <laughs> so, oh, my word. That's crazy. We have Preacher the cat who has been with us. And we and we say he's a product of Corbin as well, you know, because yeah, he came to yeah. Corbin's service. But there's just like lots of little things that, you know, Corbin was an independent thinker. And, you know, he would do things like, for example, as he got older, I guess he was maybe senior or freshman in college, a freshman in college, I think. Mm-hmm. He was at home and he kept getting up and leaving. This was like during the summer, getting up and leaving, getting up and leaving. And we're like, what is this kid doing? And, you know, your parent, as a parent, you're like, what's he up to? Right. You know, is there something nefarious going on, you know, <laughs> whatever. And um, he would get these text messages and then he would leave. And we were like, oh, I have no idea what's going on. So finally, one day he comes in. And he he's he puts his pajamas on. He sit there. He turns on a ball game, and he gets another text message. And then he just like gets frustrated. And he's like, "These people need to get a life." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Dad, I'm a designated driver. I've told anybody if you feel unsafe or if you just need to get out of somewhere, or you don't want to be in the position you're in. I will come and get you." And he's like, <laughs> he's "Like I'm becoming an Uber service." I was like, "Oh, gotcha." You know, so just just little little things like that. Oh, so special. I know, right? Yeah. When when he was in high school, he was working for a moving service. And so from the time he turned 16, he was a football player. These people from the mover moving company came and said, Hey, do you have some strong kids? My son was like, I'll do it. So he yeah. goes and works for this company. 
he worked for them all through high school and then in part of college. But he was in, I believe, West Virginia uh, one weekend, and he saw a house on fire uh, about, you know, just a few houses down from the house he was working. He ran to that house and he was beating on the door, beating, beating, beating on the door. They had animals in there and he, you know, and he just had this feeling someone was in there, kept beating on the door. Well, long story short, there was a guy in his basement with headphones on gaming, didn't know his house was on fire. <gasps> so my son was able to get him and his animals and some of his things out of his house. And I got a text message later from one of his coworkers. And he said, that guy didn't even think about it. He just started running. We were like, where are you going? He's like, we got to, there's probably people in there. And we, we stay in contact with that family. And that young man actually just had his first child recently. Wow. So we had, we saw that, you know, on Facebook, but we've stayed in contact, but all that to say he was a rescuer. He was always for the underdog. And yeah. so he was just very health conscious, a fitness guru. Like he, he worked out, he, he had three gym memberships because all the gyms offered a little bit different things. And he wanted to make sure he was getting each piece of that. Okay. So Oh, very good. So was he your only child? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He is, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. So do you want to talk now about what happened to him? Sure. Yeah. I mentioned that, that Corbin was, was in college for a yeah. time. As a lot of students, I actually work at a university, at the university where he went to school. And we, it's not far, it's about 40 minutes from our home and I, I commute every day, but we had told him, you know, if you choose that school and he toured se several, of course, we'll, we'll take care of it. You, you go and you be a college student, you go live on campus and you do all the right. things that you want to do. And so he did that, but it also happened to coincide with COVID and the yeah. pandemic. And so he just wasn't super happy about the time that he left school. He, he messaged and he's like, dad, I'm just, I'm miserable. I'm taking a lot of online classes. I'm living in this dorm room and taking online classes. He's like, I, I could be home. I could be doing other things. And Corbin wanted to be in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. He was interested in criminal justice. Had been he, early on, he was taking exercise science and he was like, I don't want that to be my job. That's just something I enjoy doing. I think yeah, I want to do yeah. law enforcement, which he had said, you know, many times since he was a kid. So, you know, we're just like, yeah, no, we get it. I wouldn't want yeah. to be doing that either. It come on home. You do whatever you want to do. So ultimately he ended up as the youngest, newest member of our sheriff's department here in town, which was something that he was just thrilled to do. Yeah. He was 20 years old. He was dating. He had a serious girlfriend and just, Love and love and life. That day it happened on October 8th, this last fall. My wife and I had gone to Pigeon Forge up in the Gatlinburg area. And we were just like, we were like, this is a great day. It was like one of the best days we'd, we'd had. I, even, I looked at my wife a couple of different times and said, this is an awesome day. I don't know. It's just, it was beautiful. The skies were beautiful. It was just great. Yeah. Corbin and his girlfriend had been off to these races, kind of like BMX or, or um, motocross, kind of like, sure. you know, bike races. They've been off to that. We had texted on and off just a little bit, but, you know, those races take place and they don't have a whole lot of signal, you know, so they're unable necessarily to get through. But we, we texted a few times and um, that I'm a big, I, I love TikTok. And so I had taken some video up in Pigeon Forge and I was going to make a TikTok and all these different things. And I was home that evening and I was literally sitting there making TikToks and his girlfriend calls me and she's frantic. And, um, and she says um, something really bad has happened. 
uh, he had dropped her off and he had an accident, an off-duty accident. He was killed off-duty uh, just a couple of miles from her house. And so we, at that time, they he was he was still with us and they, they were saying they were going to life flight him somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it was a car accident? Yeah, it was a car accident, yes. Yeah. And they were saying they were going to life flight him. And so we, the accident happened in a different county from where we live. And so we just sat in our driveway. We sat in the driveway because we were like, we need to know where they're going to take him because we sort of live in the center of a triangle between Nashville, Chattanooga, and Knoxville. Mm -hmm. And all those are typical life flight places. And all totally different directions. So you really don't know where to go. Yeah. 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 And so we just sat there. My wife reminds me that we went and got gas and put in the car. I don't remember any of that. Um, and I don't remember, you know, you know how it is. Yeah. You just, yeah. and their memory is greatly affected. And so about that time, one of my really good friends who also worked at the sheriff's department with my son, who was also my college roommate pulls into our driveway and, you know, he'd kind of been tipped off that there was an accident in another County and he used to work in that County. So he had a little bit of information. So he came to sit with us and he's, he's, you know, going back and forth to his radio, you know, yeah. and then we get a text message from our son's girlfriend. And she says, now they're saying they're not going to life flight him. I don't understand. And my wife said it immediately clicked with her. And I was thinking, oh, this means he's, he's not as bad as they thought he was. And now they're going to take him to a local hospital. I mean, like literally I'm thinking I'm going to grab his charger. I'm going to do all these, you know, his phone charger and all these different things. And so my friend goes over to his truck. He comes back and he goes, guys, you know, um, Corbin didn't make it. I literally just lost it in the front yard. Yeah. Yeah. My wife was sitting in her car. She was calling her parents. And, you know, there's a lot of like in and out memory, kind of yeah. that fog that you're in. Oh, for sure. But my friend said, hey, I know these, I know the the folks, the emergency folks down in this county. Uh, would you like me to take you to him? And we said, of course. And so we get there. And like I said, it's like a, it's like a 30 something minute drive. We get there and all the roads still blocked off, all these different things. And I remember holding hands, you know, with my wife and with um, my son's girlfriend, we were holding hands, walking down the the highway and all the emergency lights and all this. And my wife asked my son's girlfriend to wait, hold off just a minute. And and they let us into the ambulance. So we sat there with him for a few minutes. He was already gone. So the first responders asked if they could come in and speak with us for a minute. And the ME who was in the ambulance with us said, would you like to talk to them? They would really like to talk to you. We said, sure. And so in the midst of that, they said, you know, they did all the regular conversation. He was, he was awake, he was conscious and they were having conversation with him and they were asking him what, what his name was. My name's Corbin. How old are you? I'm 21. What do you do? I work for the sheriff's department, you know, just trying to have conversation with him. And he goes, guys, I'm, I'm paralyzed. And they said, well, hold on, you know, we're trying to work. We're going to help get you out of there. And so a few minutes goes by and the guy says that our son says, Something to the effect of, well, guys, I'm going to leave now. And they were like, whoa, whoa, wait, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm going to leave. They, one of the guys said, he said, I'm fixing to leave now, but my son never said fixing to leave. That wasn't his, <laughs> that wasn't his vernacular. But one of the things that we know that Corbin would, you know, he would say I'm leaving or I'm, I'm going to leave or whatever. And so that made more sense to us, but something to the effect that he was leaving. And then he, he uh, calmly passed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and just knowing 
for me, immediately what struck me is, and I don't know why everybody's personal beliefs are, but for someone to say that they're leaving means they're going somewhere. Yeah. And that really just brought some peace to our, to our family. And I'm, you know, it it really got us thinking about the work that first responders do and the conversations they had, the difficult conversations they have. And sometimes they're the last faces that people see and just what hard work that is and how often underappreciated they are. But my wife, she was like, I want to go see these people. I want to go give them a hug. This was like a few days later after this had happened. And so we went, we drove to the ambulance service and uh, initially they were not in there. My wife wanted to drop off a basket of things for the first responders. And so we got back in our car, we're going to leave. And the guy who had shared with us came out and uh, of course my wife just gave him a hug and he was, you know, he was teared up and, and all that, because I know that they have these difficult conversations often. Yeah. And I can't imagine being in that position. I don't know that I could handle, I could handle that. So he died in October. He died on October 8th. He left us on, I like to say he left us because he, he said he was leaving. He left us on October 8th. And we believe strongly that he is in heaven. Corbin was a believer and he, he believed in, in heaven. And, and so that's, that's how we, we want to remember him. And so honestly, that, that whole conversation was also what inspired the song that the song that I wrote that um, I ended up co-writing with a friend in Oklahoma and it was released on Friday. So, yeah, you want to talk a little bit about that now, that song? I guess so. it was probably three weeks after Corbin left us. I was in the cafeteria at my job. I all these words. I was like, I just need to write something. And initially I wrote on a napkin. I was writing on a napkin. And then the pen I was using ran out, of course. And so uh, I start texting myself these lyrics that were coming coming to mind. Uh, and I was just thinking about all the different times in Corbin's life where he would take off from us. You know, he's like, guys, I'm I'm gonna leave. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take off now. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. And all those significant moments, like when we dropped him off at preschool, and um, you know, when he when he um, uh, got his driver's license and just all these different moments where, you know, he just runs off independently. He was so independent and he, he would, you just take off on his own. You know, he's like, guys, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm going to take off and I'm going to leave. And so uh, that was the theme for the song. And initially I'm a vocalist. I have led uh, worship at my church some and things like that through the years on and off. And, but I am not an instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. I can peck out like a couple of worship songs on the guitar, but it would not sound great. And so a good friend of mine said, Hey, I, I know a guy you need to talk to him. And so talk to that guy. That guy was like, mm, I'm not that good. I want to talk to this guy. So I talked to another guy out in Oklahoma and we literally would pass zooms back and forth or YouTube videos of me <laughs> humming or singing. This is what I hear in my head. Yeah. And he would pick up an instrument and be like, is this what you're hearing? And I'm like, yes, or no, that's not it at all, you know? <laughs> and so we went back and forth, back and forth and, and kind of molded and shaped the song. And then he got to a point where he's like, I think I'm done here. I don't think I can do anything else. We need to find a producer. So we found a producer. His name is Sam Hart uh, out of Nashville, who was able to take it and kind of fill in those holes. Like um, he is a phenomenal instrumentalist and plays all manner of different music and and so he was he was able to kind of take it to the next level. And I kept a lot of this a secret. My wife did not hear that song until we were leaving recently for a while we're waiting retreat. I don't know if you're familiar with while we're yeah, waiting. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we were leaving for that retreat. And I said, hey, 
I got something I want you to hear. And uh, so I told her about it and she was like, well, we were getting ready to leave. And she's like, pull into Corbin's spot. Corbin's buried two blocks from our house. And so we pulled into Corbin's spot and we played the song. That was the first time she'd heard it. I'd really kept it a secret. I had some other special people in my life that I wanted to share with, but obviously I wanted her to hear it first. And, and then we wanted to release it on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. We wanted to release it on Father's Day because I he's not here with us. And I thought, well, he may not be here, but we can celebrate him and we can celebrate our relationship and we can sort of, you know, have him here with us through this song on Father's Day. And so we released it on on uh, Father's Day, which was fr- uh, this past oh, Sunday. We released it for Father's Day weekend. Yeah. So we released it on Friday evening. Interestingly, there was a, a guy out in Branson, Missouri, who has a, a music show on Friday nights. It's it's New Country Friday Nights with Tim Kelly, and he played the song. And that song and, and that show is I don't know the word. I don't know if syndicated is the right word or whatever, but it goes out to thirty different radio stations. Wow. Um, he told a little bit of Corbin's story, and he played the song, and that was for Father's Day weekend. And I, I thought, man, I could not ask for for more than to have people saying my son's name. Yeah. To, you know, to each other, we know how that, how that feels uh, for, for our kids to be remembered and to be talked about. And so I released the song under the name Corbin's dad. I did not release it under my name. It's Corbin's dad, all one word for two reasons. One, because being Corbin's dad was my greatest honor, honestly. Yeah. And then two, uh, I wanted to recognize the grief community. I, I wanted people to connect the dots with, you know, those of us who are grieving families who have lost kids we love being referred to as our kids dad or mom yeah we don't want that to ever be forgotten and so that was for Corbin and for the grief community that I did that yeah I mean that's funny because that's what I go by right I just go by Andy's mom Andy's mom yep because that's just what I want to be absolutely absolutely yeah yeah this is so especially emotional for me too because you know Andy was quite the singer you know, he was head chorister for the Grand Rapids Choir Men and Boys. And, oh, wow. And um, he has had a song written for, on you know, in his memory, too. And it was supposed to be sung at the first Andy Larson Memorial Concert, which was supposed to be in March of 2020 ah. and was canceled due to the pandemic. And so yep. finally they ended up, it was supposed to be sung at a concert by the... Um, St. John's Choir out of the UK, the St. John's Voice Choir. Mm, Yeah. But that ended up not happening. So it was just sung here locally in the fall of 2021. And it's Be Still and Know That I Am God is is what they called it because that was his favorite Bible verse. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and then the solo originally was supposed to be sung by his brother. (laughs) And it was supposed to be in a CD recording, which... That still has not happened. Yeah, and it was his brother supposed to sing it, but of course his brother couldn't sing it then because his his voice changed too much. Oh, yeah. So he couldn't sing it, but it was uh, because Andy's last um, big solo that he had for the Grand Rapids Square Men and Boys was the last verse of Away in the Manger Mm. at a concert, which if you know the last verse of Away in the Manger, it it talks about getting ready for heaven. Mm and fittest for heaven to live with thee there are the last words are the last words and so that was sung at his funeral that was it was him actually singing it we had that recording of him singing wow so this is all very very emotional to me 
that you got that. I would love to hear it. You got that all to go because we have not really yet. And we still don't have the CD or any of it, but hopefully someday. Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully someday. I am excited to hear yours. I I have not heard it yet. I know it was just released. I'm, I've got to do that, especially now. Well, you are welcome to include it in your show notes and things like that, too, uh, if you show notes. So. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, no, I would love to hear. I would love to hear the song for Andy as well. Yeah. There's just something about music that connects us all. And as a grief community, we're already connected in so many different ways. And music is just another takes that onto a totally different level. And it's also a way to share out with other people. Yeah. In kind of a, I don't know what the word is, but you know how sometimes, sometimes we make people uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those of us <laughs> we here. definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and there, and you can share music and maybe that's a, a at least a more comfortable or a, a way to do that. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, music is so powerful and so emotional just in general. I think I oh, too I sing as a, worship leader in in our at our church and but i couldn't actually for a long time after andy died i can't still i wondered i wondered if you could i was going to ask that because i i couldn't do it it actually took me a couple of years maybe three i mean for fortunately and unfortunately the pandemic kind of fell in there too so we didn't do as much anyway but yeah it was over three years before I could sing again. And and it wasn't that I couldn't kind of sing in the car or whatever, but I just couldn't do it in front of people. It just, it's so emotional. It's emotional and it's a very vulnerable place to be if you're somebody who likes to, to sing and things like that. So music is already emotional. Yeah. And you're putting yourself out there in a vulnerable position, even just singing. So you put grief on top of that. And, you know, I tell people because, I don't want anybody to misunderstand and think like, I'm so angry. I can't sing. It's not that at all. It's not that. Uh-uh. It's not that it's I'm, I'm emotional and you don't want me up there leading worship right now. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What's funny yeah. is even sometimes now, so this will be five years and it was a few months ago, we sang a song. Now it's not coming to me, which one it was, but there were, there are certain songs that I really clung to after Andy died, that really, really spoke to me. Okay, yes. After Andy died. Mm-hmm. Occasionally we'll sing one of those songs. And I had to like tell the entire band, like, just so you know, I just might start crying in the middle. <laughs> just might start crying. <laughs> exactly. So you better yeah. be okay doing this kind of without me because I really right. don't know what's going to happen. And because I, I have no idea. And, you know, and sometimes I cry and sometimes I don't. And, it's all okay and they're all okay. <laughs> I mean, it's better usually if I don't tell them because then like somebody wants, then they don't want to make eye contact with me, everything else. Yes, yes. And then, see, that's another thing too, because like when you're leading worship, all eyes are on you. Yeah. And, you know, I also don't want to take away from what the worship is supposed to be about. So I don't want people like watching me, like what's he yeah. going to do? You know, it's so I just, I, right now I just can't, and I don't know when, and it may be three years for me too, before I can ever go back. And you just that. never know. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is also very musical and um, she plays piano. She sings and, you know, all these different things. And she, I think, you know, she doesn't lead worship in front of the church. Now she used to be a church pianist, 
but we're very different in a lot of ways. She's my theologian and she's my, she, she's kind of like my rock. But when it comes to the music thing, I don't think that she could get up in front of the church and sing right now either. You know, no. I don't think. I mean, know. it's just really, really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it means a lot to me. All those songs just mean yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wondered about that if you were having some of those same struggles that I did. So it's, sure. it, I think it's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. So, how would you talk um, your grief journey in general? Want to talk a little bit about that? What it's been like? <laughs> My wife and I, when we came home that night after our son passed away, we got in about, I don't know, it was like, 2 30 or 3 in the morning and first my wife said I'm exhausted I gotta lay down and I said well I've got an obituary to write and uh, so I'm gonna sit down at this kitchen table and get this done Um, and uh, but we looked at each other and we're like you know there are a lot of people who are going to be watching how we react to this situation and from lots of different perspectives, there's the perspective of, oh, I'm going to watch these believers and see if they just completely collapse, you know, and, or, 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 you know, there's just different things and, or I'm going to see if they get angry or, you know, whatever. And I said, you know, we, we agreed at that time, difficult, some of our difficult conversations and things like that will always be at the house together. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at each other and we said, and as far as like dealing with this and coping with this, you do you, I will support you and how you have to do. And you support me and how yeah. I have to do. And we'll just, we, ha- we agreed to just, you know, so there's some things that we've both been like, okay, well, whatever, whatever, whatever. If that's how you have to deal, you go deal, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but one of the things immediately was we had, you know, major, what we call, what we've learned now is called grief brain and PTSD related yeah. to this. And between the two of us, we, we joke around sometimes, even still, we have, we feel like we have half of a working brain, you know, because we, we will forget things. We, yeah. you know, I'm mean, just all the different stuff I and mean, pin numbers and things that you've known for years, you don't remember anymore, or it's just, it's a, it's amazing. And the way I describe it is, you know, I'm a problem solver in my job, in my day job, I'm the disability director for a university. And so making sure that the campus is accessible in all the different ways. And so I, you know, I get a problem and I'm like, oh, this is how we will solve this problem. Sure. Uh, and I love that because it's being creative and then also solving problems. You can't solve this problem. And so my brain, this is the way I feel like my brain was like, okay, I don't know what to do with this information. My son is not here anymore. He was here earlier. He's not here anymore. And I, it just, I think it confuses your brain and your processing and all the different ways that you handle things. And so, um, you know, there for a while we, we didn't go to church and it was not at all because we were angry or anything like that. It was churches again is a vulnerable place. We also uh, taught Sunday school. We taught our son's age group in Sunday school. And so it was kids that were his age that he went to school with and things like that. And of course, you know, if you've ever been around that age group, that college age group or whatever, it's hit or miss on who you might have anyway. But, you know, it's still, it was just like, uh, I don't think we can, I don't think yeah. we can do this. So we didn't do that. Um, so we stopped teaching that. Finally, I guess, so that was in October. We finally, I think, went back to church for the Christmas Eve service. Mm-hmm. And then dabbled going back in January, February, a couple of times. We were doing a lot of online church. Yeah. Things like that, you know. It's so funny. 
funny because I, I you know, we went always. And, oh, wow. and honestly, we went because I had such this fear that if I stopped going, I would never go. Oh, okay. So, yeah. like, one day, it was a few weeks after Andy died, one day I overslept because I was having such a hard time sleeping. And one day I overslept. I woke up. It was 9 o'clock. Church started at 9.15. And I'm like, I don't what happened? And I'm like all panicky. And my husband's like, you needed what? You needed to sleep. And I was so freaked out. Like, but we can't miss because if if I start missing, I'm never going back. Oh, yeah. But the, but the huge sort of relief ended up coming then when the pandemic hit and we had to go online. And I was like, great. <laughs> now <laughs> just do it online. I don't have exactly. to worry about it. I just, there's this yeah. huge relief. Wait off. Yeah. It's funny that you say that about waking up though. So sometimes because I, uh, I share that with you as I don't, I do not sleep. Uh, yeah. I still do not sleep. I will go, 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 go until my brain collapses basically. Mm-hmm. And I have to sleep. And so my wife has been really good about, um, She'll just, you know, I'll wake up, I'll wake up one day, like at noon. And she's like, you needed to sleep. I yeah. just let you sleep, you know? Uh, I mean, I haven't missed work or anything like that, but, it's, but she's like, it may be a weekend or whatever. And I may have had big plans to do something. And she's like, whatever yeah. you hadn't slept, you needed to sleep, you know? So uh, we kind of try to take care of each other in in different ways like that. But um, she can sleep now, but I, I can't, I still have a really hard time sleeping. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. And then I guess through some friends, we learned about the while we're waiting retreat. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, did you say you went to that also? Did you go? I to- have not. Well, you know, what's funny is I've been there because I Jill has been on the podcast. Oh, OK. Yeah. We happened to be going down there for spring break last last, not this past year, but the year before uh-huh. in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And so mm. I just went down there so i've i've toured the whole facility i've been down to hot springs i've talked to jill a number of times but i haven't okay. attended a retreat and a lot of my friends have gone to retreats there okay so. okay yeah well we uh it had we had been referred by some mutual friends of someone who had a similar situation and i was like oh my gosh there's something that we could actually go to and be around people mm-hmm. who get it yeah i'm like no way and so i reached out to my wife you know she was at work and i was texting her and i was like hey there's this thing and there are people like us, <laughs> you know, yeah. do you want to be around them? And she was like, yes. <laughs> and so I contacted them and and they had a weekend and they said, well, you know, these fill up really fast. We can put you on a waiting list. I'm like, please put us on the waiting list. Yeah. And they were like, mark this date just in case. And so we were able to keep that date. And I have to say, you know, I tell people, it's not like you're going to go to that and it's going to change your world. That's not, that is not what happens. It's not life changing, but it is so therapeutic to be around people who are in similar situation because, you know, we're surrounded by people who are loving and wonderful, supportive people, but just, they don't understand it. They don't get it. And, uh, and I hate to say that because when I say someone doesn't get it, I don't mean that in a rude way. I don't mean that at all. It's like they, they can't connect all the dots that, you know, and for me, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, but like, you know, losing, any other relative is not the same as losing your kid. Nope. It's just not the same. It's processed differently. It's not the circle of life. It's not the way things are supposed to be. And so, uh, you know, we've joined, I both you know, kind of dealt with, you know, that's, that's a, it's difficult to find people to talk to uh, about it. And so it was just good 
to hear other stories. And the thing is, is you don't even want them to understand, right? I don't want anyone to understand. So I always feel like I want to say, you know, you don't understand. And I don't want you to. I I really don't. Because the only way you would understand is if it happened to you. And I wouldn't dream that on my worst enemy. Exactly. I actually had this conversation with a friend recently. And, you know, I said, you know, there may be people like if you had an enemies list, just people you don't click with, you know, whatever. I would not wish this on anybody. I truly would not. And this kind of pain and disconnect and loneliness that we all go through, there's, there's, it's just, it's a different level. And I don't want anybody to have to have to deal with it. I don't. Mm -hmm. And also I've become very protective of other families dealing with grief too, because if somebody's like, well, that person is off their rocker or they're weird, they just went, they didn't know. I'm like, look, until yeah. you've been there, you don't know. You don't know what that person's dealing with. And, you know, I'm like, truly, I'm like, you do you, because yeah. you have to do what you have to do to survive all this. Yeah. And it looks so much different to anyone, everyone, oh, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, I think about being in Andy's room and here I sit, you know, I sit in Andy's room has turned into a place where I record, but you know. I love that actually. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. A lot of the things sitting on his desk are still sitting there from when he had him there, you know, and yep. it's just the way it is. I just can't do it. And it probably had I been shown this room <laughs> and it was and it was 10 years ago and it was somebody else's child that died i would have been like well that's weird it's been almost yeah. five years and they just still have things the same i would have thought yep. that was weird but that's what i need it to be yep. you know we utilize it in the way that that we do but yeah yeah that is so true in fact i was really exhausted from father's day and i i went to my son's room last night and i just i just laid there on the bed yeah and I mean, I woke up at about 2 a.m. and went to, to went to our own bed. But I, you know, sometimes you just have to do those things. And so for me, I, I, it's therapeutic for it to still be there. Mm-hmm. I will tell you from our while we're waiting retreat, that's actually they talk about different topics. Like, so they pull, yeah. pull this board out and have all these different topics on there. And one of the topics is a kid's bedroom. Yeah. It's like, how are you handling that? And they just kind of like, it's kind of like popcorn. People go around and like kind of share how they're handling things. Not that there's any right way, but it's so interesting to hear how other people are coping with different things. And for the most part, I can't, I think everybody, but one family, the room was still in some form or another intact. Yeah. There, there was one who was using it as an office, but had not changed anything. Right. And they were like, I feel, I feel comfort in there using this office, you know, using it as an office. It's, it's actually, uh, it's actually therapeutic to have this as my office. And I had thought about, you know, having other uses. Like, I really think it's cool that you're podcasting from Andy's room. I think that's, uh, that's really neat. Yeah. I, I like doing it this way. It makes me feel closer to him. And sure. It's just a nice thing for yeah. us to do now. But, you know, it's yeah. funny that you bring up Father's Day because it was, you know, obviously it was just yesterday. And those are hard days. I mean, Mother's Day was hard for me. Father's Day was hard for my husband. We don't quite know how to handle it, you know. And yeah. we were both working, so that was sort of good. And then I came home and he was asleep. He was just sleeping. And that's unusual. I mean, Eric does not just take a mm. nap in the day. Mm-hmm. But I think it just had to do with that. And then he got up yep. and I said, you know... The flowers need to be watered over at the cemetery. Would would you want to do that? Because I thought, I bet he does want to do that. I bet he mm. wants to just go spend some time. 
with yeah. Andy, which he did. He spent quite a while there, you know, watering the flowers, but just spending some time because yeah. it's just hard. This is really hard. I think that's something that's different for people too, because I've talked to people who have a hard time even visiting the cemetery. And then you have people like me who I know, I know here that he's not there, Yeah, but I find peace there. I don't know why, you know? And so I will pull in there sometimes and, and just sit. And I, and I do that. Honestly, I do that pretty often because it's two blocks from our house and I have to pass it to go to my job. And oh. I'll tell you, this is an interesting story right off the presses today. I haven't told my wife yet, but we were getting ready to leave today. We were going different directions. So we drove separately, but we were going to go have breakfast together and then we we're going to go our, do our own things. And um, she was in front of me and she turned her signal to go right. Well, you go left if you want to go the way that is by the cemetery. <laughs> but if you wanted to get to that place where we're going, we were going to Cracker Barrel. If you wanted to get there quicker, you would go to the right. And I honestly struggled with that. I was like, like, should I go left so I can go by the cemetery? Should I go? I mean, like literally that was a, it was, it was a problem for me. Yeah. And she goes, right. You, you know, and that's yeah. fine. Which is totally fine. It was a thing for me, you know? And then you're like, will she notice that I went left? Will she, exactly. why will she start worrying? <laughs> well, you know, so then you've got all those things, right? <laughs> exactly. Wonder, she'll wonder what happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, it's funny the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And then when I looked at your Instagram, you described yourself as like, what did you, how was your description on Instagram? As It probably, it probably says stand-up comic and grieving. Yes, guy. yes, yeah. yes. That yeah. is what it says. It was like, it said something kind of interesting. Yeah. So, um, of course, I have my day job, but then uh-huh. I also, um, for the last, I don't know, four years or so, have been doing stand-up and uh-huh. up until the point that Corbin passed away, I was featuring an opening for people, you know, all over the, like the Southeast, the, the kind of the Midwest, you know, yeah. and, and doing that quite a bit. And it was, I was doing it more and more and more. And I am um, a clean comic. And so mm-hmm. I don't do any blue comedy. So, you know, no, no cursing or anything like that. I, and I mostly talk about family. Uh, there were a lot of stories about, you know, my son, there was, was just different things. And, and so when Corbin passed away, man, it just, it's like, okay, how does this work? Yeah. How do I get up on a stage and tell jokes or be silly or make people laugh? And on inside, I'm kind of like dying a little bit, you know, it's like, yeah. so two weeks. No, it was longer than that. It was probably three, three weeks after my son passed away, a good friend in the comedy world messaged me and he's like, Hey, I need somebody to open for me in South Carolina. Do you think that you could do that? And I was like, and he's like, he's like, I know it'd be very hard for you. He's like, if you need to say no, no. He said, I just thought maybe you'd want to get in the car, go for a long drive, maybe talk some, and that this yeah. might be therapeutic for you. He was thinking about my well-being. It wasn't like, hey, you know. Right, 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 right. For sure. Anyway, so so I was like, I accepted. My wife was like, sure, if you think you can do that. I didn't think anything about it. So we get there. And I go up there and honestly, to this day, I don't even remember what I said when I got there. Like, I don't know if it was horrible. I don't know. All I know is I got to one of the jokes where I talk about my son and it it hit me while I'm standing there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. And I went ahead and plowed through that bit. Yeah. And after that, I don't have any memory of anything. 
And I was just like, oh my gosh, like to this day, I wonder, I'm like, oh my, what did I say to those people? (laughs) You know, was it just completely off where I was off my rocker completely, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. And my friend was just as gracious and never said a word and he did his thing and he was great. And we've never talked about it, but I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, how do you make that? It's it's a very, it's a dissonance. Yes. Laughter and grief. Right. That's why it struck me so much when I saw those two things were side by side on there. Because mm-hmm. you did not take it off. Mm-mm. The stand up. That's part of who I am. I've always been a big goofus, a big, you know, and I mean, I was I was like, um, what, what do they call it? Like when you're seniors and you have the little things and I was class clown for the oh, okay. senior. Okay. Okay. You know. So I've always been that. So that part of me hasn't changed, but my life has changed drastically. And so, yeah. And so I've just recently started doing stand-up again. I did some stand-up in December for a fundraiser for Meals on Wheels uh, for a good friend. I, I opened for my good friend and did the hosting for that. And I reconciled that with, okay, I'm, we're doing some good here. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. And then I've had other friends who are great who have all reached out and is like, hey, let's get your feet wet. Let's get back in here, you know, and they're and it's all coming from a good place. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny. I've had one other guy on. He doesn't want to improv and he lives around here now, but he lived in Los Angeles at the time that his son died. And he ended up doing some like improv groups for grieving parents. Really? Actually. Uh huh. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So he would get grieving parents together because he he talked about how close laughter and tears really are. Wow. Right? They're both like a release of emotion. Laughter Mm -hmm. is a release of emotion and tears are a release of emotion. So a lot of times, I mean, that can be really good. And I think about like some other couples that we've met. We've met other couples in our parent support groups and things like that. And we've done game nights with them. Those are really incredibly fun because I I can feel okay crying and laughing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can do both Mm -hmm. and it won't be weird for me to do both. Exactly. That's what I love. Something I have to remind myself is, you know, that God gave us all these emotions yeah. And he, he, you know, he expects us to feel them and there's nothing wrong with feeling them. Right. And so it's just ex- kind of accepting that. It's, I think in my bio, I said, stand up comic, grieving dad, only God could combine those, you know? Yes, yes, yes. That is what you said. Uh-huh. You know, and because I feel like at some point I want to integrate the two. Yeah. Um, it's early yet for you, but yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, I, there's no way I could do it now, but you and I both know there's so many crazy things that happen, you know, things that people say they're just awkward and, yeah. or like <laughs> me running from somebody at a gas station or because I just don't want to talk, you know, and just a variety of different things that I feel like I could incorporate, but it's going to take a lot of careful consideration on how I do it. Yeah. You know, just, and just like the, the cat that showed up at the funeral that lives in our house now, you know, I mean, just <laughs> different things that I feel like, I feel like that we could incorporate at some time when the time is right. And my son loved comedy Yeah, and we would sit up in the middle of the night and watch videos. He would pull up YouTube and he's like, dad, you gotta watch this, you know, and yeah. just different things. And so I know he appreciated it. He came to one of, one of the, one of the last shows I did. He came to where I featured for a guy named Nazareth. I don't know if you're familiar with Nazareth, but he's a really big in comedy world. 
Uh-huh. He was actually coming through as he was traveling somewhere else. So he did a show at a venue there in Cookville, the Performing Arts Center. And so he had asked me to feature for him. So I did. And my son came to that and he 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 thought that was the coolest thing. And he had avoided my stand-up like the plague for a long, <laughs> long time. And then he came to that one. And he was like, some of the last pictures I have are with him, with me and with Naz, the other comic. And he's just beaming. And it's just like, ah. Oh, my dad's a big goofus and I love that. You know, I mean, it was just cool that it worked out that way. And so I think he'd be totally good with me having some fun uh, with, with grief stuff when, when I can do it and when I can make it work, you know? Yeah. And I just think it can be so helpful to grieving parents because. Cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Well that, and then too, I've talked to so many people that have like the first time they've laughed, they laughed, they felt mm-hmm. incredibly guilty. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, so guilty. Like, I should never laugh again. What is wrong with me that I am yeah. laughing? You know, mm-hmm. I, and I just think if you make it so it's not taboo to people. Exactly. And a lot of comedy, honestly, if we think about it, a lot of comedy is stuff that makes people uncomfortable anyway. Oh, for sure. You for know, sure. <laughs> so I feel like there's a way to do it. But you mentioned the laugh and the first time laughing. I did a show in Jackson, Tennessee a while back, just, I don't know, a month or so ago. And one of my friends who was putting that show together, he goes, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about dedicating the first laugh to Corbin? I had not thought about that. And that, I, that has stuck with me since then. Cause I'm like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. The first laugh is his. And when I hear that first laugh, I'm reminded of him and he's having a good time. You know, I love that. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, just so much, I mean, there's so many things that we want to just keep our kids' memory alive. Right. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is why the song is Cor- written by Corbin's dad Yep. and sung yep. by Corbin's dad. Yep. There's that. And then I feel like trying to find some purpose with your grief is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And taking who you are as a person and now mixing it up in the, with the grief and seeing what can come out. And and for you. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's that, right? And that is you still doing some stand-up and letting Corbin have that first laugh every time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I love it. And we, you know, we, Joy and I, we've also talked about wanting to do something for first responders. Yeah. I don't know if that, you know, if that's going to be like a foundation for them. That's kind of where we're leaning, but something because we feel like they are left out a lot of times when it comes to, you know, you a lot of people who, who do philanthropic things for large groups of people. But I think EMTs and people, ambulance drivers, all those different people are sometimes left out of that mix. And for us, they were heroes, even even if they weren't able to save him at that time. They were heroes because they they um, treated our son with respect and took care of him and were trying to save his life. And, and they had that convert the tough conversation with him. And so we consider them heroes, you know, to us. Uh, so there's that. But well, and even what they say to you, I mean, you know, my my son died on the side of the road too, and mm-hmm. I will never forget it. I will never forget what. That paramedic said to me, he, you know, he sat us down and he said, despite our, despite our best efforts, we were unable to save your son. And I mean, it will stick with me forever. And I don't know that he knows that. I don't know that he knows that I can hear that sentence mm-hmm. every single day. I can hear that yeah. sentence in my head. He has no idea. I don't even know who he is. Never yeah. saw him again. No idea. And mm-hmm. he has no idea what an impact that was and how important it is to say that right, which I yes. think you said it right. Yes. Because you only hear that one time. 
the, for the first time. Absolutely. I'm still waiting. You know, uh, I've talked a lot about kind of how I've, I've coped with different things, but um, my wife is a, a an amazing writer and I'm hoping she says she's going to write a book. And one of the things that she wants to write is helping families kind of navigate the process of all the stuff you have to do. Nobody tells you yeah. where to go for this, how to take care of this, what forms for this, you know, and you're kind of left out there on your own. It's kind of like a, almost like a, you know, kind of how to, how to, how to navigate yeah. the, the grief process and the death of a loved one, especially your child. It's like, nobody tells you how this works. And then you get so frustrated, multiple phone calls to people and different things that you have to take care of. And she's like, I really feel like we could get in front of, in front of this and share with people, you know, give them something. Okay. Take this do these things and just make everybody's road just a little easier Yeah, because it's, yeah. it was like kicking and screaming to get some information. And I mean, you know, you know, you've been there. Yeah. yeah I've been there. And I do want to put in a little plug because I've had these people on that started an organization, justenduring.org. And that's what they do. They do a lot of that and working with Love families just right enduring. away. Justenduring.org. They're out of St. Louis, but that okay. would be something for you guys to look into too. Yeah. They do a pretty good job with that. But, you know, it's, you're right. They need to do more and it needs to be spread out and not mm-hmm. just that St. Louis community. But. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing, Corbin, today. Is there anything else that you felt like you wanted to stay in closing? No, I want to say thanks so much for having me on, Andy's mom. And yeah. uh, it's 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 been a it's been a pleasure, and I hope we can stay connected. You know, if I can ever you know help anybody, I I would be happy to happy to talk to anybody. But it's just nice to be able to come on and and talk about Corbin. I had a friend not long after Corbin passed away who said, "Hey." Anytime you want to talk about him, you know, you, you come on and we'll, we'll talk about him and I'm going to hold him to it because I do. I love What a gift. I love talking about him. And I know you were talking about Andy. What a gift. I do. I do love talking about Andy. Yep. <laughs> oh, thank yep. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, I would like to support the podcast please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.